Morning everyone, it is such a privilege to speak to you today and we're going to be looking at a part in the Bible which talks about the life of a man called Gideon. You may have heard of him, you may have not, but I really believe that over the next little bit that I get to share, God wanted to speak to us about um, the life of Gideon. And so if you have your Bible with you, I'd love you to turn to Judges 6. So Old Testament towards the beginning. If you don't, it's going to be up on the screen, but I, I just love having a, a paper Bible with me. Um, it's something special about it. So um, I would love you to turn there. And before we read together, I'm going to pray because I know God wants to do stuff in our hearts this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you are here with us right now. I want to thank you that you're a God who isn't distant, a God who we don't just know intellectually, but you're a God who is with us, a God who is present, a God who is involved in our lives. And I pray, Father, that you would transform hearts today. I pray you'd transform people that maybe, maybe if you're here today and you're connecting um, for the first time with, with, with church or anything like that. Father, I pray that you would draw us towards yourself. Uh, God, I thank you that you want to heal people today, that even as we're listening and connecting with you today, that you'd bring physical healing, you'd bring emotional healing, that there'd be amazing testimonies that come from your presence. Father, I thank you that you want to bring freedom you want to bring freedom. Maybe, uh, maybe some of you are, are held captive to different addictions, to different uh, problems, different, different issues in your life. And God wants to bring freedom. So, Father, please bring freedom as we listen today. I, I pray you'd remove weariness for people who are feeling just absolutely hampered down and exhausted and tired as a result of what's happening around or, or work life or anything. Father, thank you that, that you take away weariness and you bring a joy you bring an energy and father thank you that you want to ignite destinies today thank you that you want to ignite destinies and so we're excited we're expectant please speak to us today amen great stuff i'm i'm just so excited as you can see so to give you a little bit of context to the story of gideon i'm going to read first from judges 6 we we'll read there together 1 to 10 this shows you where the israelite israelites are at the moment it gives a great little bit of context to gideon entering onto the scene so let's read together judges 6 verses 1 to 10 the israelites did what was evil in the sight of the lord so the Lord handed them over to Midian seven years, and they oppressed Israel. Because of Midian, the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, um, Amalekites, and the, this is an interesting one, Kedamites, I think, came and attacked them. They encamped against them and destroyed the produce of the land, even as far as Gaza. They left nothing for Israel to eat, as well as no sheep, ox or donkey. These guys are in a horrific state. For the Midianites came with their cattle and their tents like a great swarm of locusts. They and their camels were without number and they entered the land to lay waste to it. So you can imagine Israel, they were there and they, they owned so much, they had plenty, they didn't follow God. These other people came in and absolutely laid waste to the place. So Israel became poverty stricken because of Midian and the Israelites cried out to the Lord. You'll notice in scripture, there's this theme of God comes through for his people. They forget about him. They go through a tough time. God comes through again. They remember him for a bit and it goes on the cycle. Sadly, it happens with us as well, but this is what we see with them. 
When the Israelites cried out to him because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to them. He said to them, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you out of Egypt and out of the place of slavery. I rescued you from the power of Egypt and the power of all who oppressed you. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I'm the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites whose land you live in, but you did not obey me. So they are in a terrible situation. They haven't followed God. They've taken him for granted again. They've gone their own way. And as a result, God has allowed people to come in to hopefully humble the Israelites once again to turn to him. But they are absolutely oppressed. They've been attacked. All of their produce, have their land has been destroyed. They are living in poverty, in fear, in despair. Does that sound familiar to anyone today? Maybe you're feeling full of fear for the future. Maybe because of the virus around, it may be because of the political situation, it may be because of your corporate environment, maybe you are feeling similar to them today. Possibly God seems distant to you at present. It might be that you have turned away from Him, it might be that you're going through a trial, but maybe just maybe you feel distant to Him today and that's a tough place to be. Maybe work-wise there isn't enough money in the bank account as you sit here watching right now. There is not enough money in your bank account to pay school fees, to put food on the table. You're sitting in despair and going, God, is there a way to get through this? There's no work on the horizon. What am I going to do? And I feel absolutely in despair. Maybe you're experiencing relational difficulty in friendships, in family, with work colleagues, and it just feels like you can't escape. It feels like you're in a horrific sort of place. Or maybe you're just feeling stale in your faith. Maybe you're going, God, I've had great times with you, but right now at this point in time, it feels like it's a desert. It feels like I'm talking to a brick wall. It feels like I lie on my bed at night and I try to speak to you and I'm talking to the ceiling. It feels like you aren't there at all. Whatever your situation feels like in this moment, I want you to imagine the Israelites in the story. And I would imagine for many, you feel in a very similar place to how they felt in that time. So enter Gideon to the stage, an Israelite as well, someone going through the same trials as you and I. And let's find out a little bit more about this character that only takes up about two or three chapters in the Bible. In Judges, we're going to look at it in the next little bit. But what's so special about this character and how can we learn from him? So verse 11, some of your Bibles might be titled, The Lord Calls Gideon. It might be, it might be different, but this is what it says on the back of this. The angel of the Lord came and he sat under the oak tree that was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Now in scripture, this is so interesting. It says the angel of the Lord. In scripture, we're not exactly sure who the angel of the Lord is. Many times in scripture, it talks about angels and and certain angels came, but there's only a few times where it says the angel of the Lord. Now, some people say this is actually Jesus coming to earth because he was there at the beginning. It's not like he only arrived when he was born uh, here on earth. He's been there the whole time. Some say the angel of the Lord is actually Jesus incarnating on earth before he came in a very real sense. Others say it's God the Father himself, God coming and titled as the angel of the Lord. And others say it's God's personal representative. So it's sort of an angel, but in essence, it's actually God 
rep being represented perfectly on earth. So we're not exactly sure. I personally believe it isn't an angel, that it is God in the flesh, because every time I see the angel of the Lord mentioned, it is God speaking. And you'll see from Gideon's response later in the passage that he very clearly believed this was God. So that's whenever you see it now in the future, the angel of the Lord, you can picture that in your mind. But the phrasing I love, it says, the angel of the Lord came. The angel of the Lord came to Gideon. I don't know what you're battling right now, but in the midst of desperation, I want you to know that God will come. Gideon was in a place of desperation, hiding from the Midianites. He was in fear. The people of Israel were in fear and God came. Notice how Gideon isn't actually searching for God at all. He isn't even pursuing him, but God comes. Friends, nothing will get in the way of God's purpose for your life. Nothing. Whether you are searching for him or not, God will come and he will speak to you. He is working in your life. His will always prevails. You know, in Ephesians 1 verse 11, one of my favorite passages of all time, Ian covered this a few weeks ago. It says that God works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. Say that again. God works out everything, not some things, everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. So that means that everything God wants to happen will happen. Everything. And that is an incredibly comforting place. His will always trumps yours. When it comes to two sports teams, and on one sports team, you've got God's purpose. And on another sports team, you've got my human plan or my plan. God's purpose, my plan. And whenever those two teams play together, God's purpose will always win. It will always win the match every single time. And what a wonderful truth that is to rest in. We get to as Christ followers, rest in a loving God who is in complete control, who is working in our lives for our good and for His glory. It is absolutely incredible. It brings such peace, such hope, such joy. And so that is God working. And this situation where He comes down to Gideon is Him showing, Gideon, you may not even be thinking about me right now, but I'm coming down into your world and I am calling you into a life of purpose. What other things can we bring out from this? The angel of the Lord came and he sat under the oak tree. Isn't that a strange thing to say? God sat under the oak tree. I think it gives the most awesome picture of just a little bit of God's character. What does it show? Firstly, he's absolutely unafraid of the Midianites or anyone else in the land. He's sitting out in the open under this oak tree, whereas just next to him, Gideon is busy threshing wheat and trying to hide it from these guys so it doesn't get stolen. But the angel of the Lord comes and he sits under an oak tree. So that's one. Next one, he's at rest. He is completely chilled and in control. He's relaxing under an oak tree. And we might turn around and go, but God, there is a lot of mess in the world right then. You know, the, the people following God might have said, God, there's a lot of problems right now that we're facing. Us today, we could go, God, the world is in absolute chaos. There's virus all over the place. There's changes of governments. There's economic trials. Businesses are closing. People are getting sick. We, God, you should be racing around and doing stuff. You should be sort of in a bit of a panic. You should be juggling all the balls of the earth. When's it going to end? It has to be soon. The end of the world's coming. It's got to be moments away. What are you doing, God? And what God would say to you right now is, I'm sitting under an oak tree. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm at peace, I'm at rest, I'm ruling and reigning, I'm working out my purpose for the earth, but I am not in a panic. I am in absolute control and my purpose will be worked out. It's so refreshing, so refreshing to follow and place our trust in a God like that. So there's God, he's sitting there, angel of the Lord, and you now have Gideon who is trying to thresh this wheat in a wine press, which was sort of uh, some, some strong rock, maybe granite or something, carved out. And what you would usually do is obviously have the grapes in and you'd smash those down, depressed underground. What he's doing is he's trying to get some food for the family and he's trying to, to do this with the wheat, but so that no one around can see so that he can actually get some for his family. So he wants to make sure it's not stolen. And then in this process of how he's acting, the angel of the Lord says something amazing and so powerful. He says to him, the Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Now this is potent because God affirms firstly who Gideon is and secondly, he speaks destiny into Gideon's life. And that's the order that God does things. Firstly, he affirms who we are in him, our identity. Secondly, he speaks destiny our purpose but identity is always first and then purpose follows after that God says before I want you to do anything Gideon I want you to know that I care that I'm close and that I am on this journey with you he says get that first get that first I want you to know that God cares about you intimately he wants relationship he wants friendship he paid a great price on the cross for you but he cares. I don't know who needs to hear that specifically this morning, but he cares. He loves and he wants a relationship with you, a close relationship, a close relationship with you. Once you get that, once we all get that, so I needed to speak to Gideon first to say, I'm with you. He then speaks destiny into our lives. Once we know who he is and our relationship and we're confident that he speaks destiny. You see, Gideon wasn't acting like a valiant warrior, was he? He was hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. So there was nothing valiant and nothing warrior-like about him at all. He was living the furthest thing from it. He was hiding his wheat from the Midianites. But God knows our future. He knows everything. My daughters were looking at the, that this morning. We, we do devotions together. They do couch time before they start school uh, with Sarah. And they were looking at this and they were looking at the story of, of God knowing absolutely everything he knows our future so God knows what he's calling us into God knew exactly what he was calling Gideon into because he has already planned out the future he knows the purpose he has for us so today God wants you to know firstly that he is with you and secondly that he has a destiny for you no matter what trial you are facing no matter what the situation looks like on earth the God of the universe is there he's close and he's leading the way into a life of purpose because he wants you to know that he has a destiny I don't care what your past has looked like I don't care um, what you're feeling like at present God has a hope and a future for you he has a purpose for you and it is anything but ordinary because when we serve a supernatural God, which we do with all our heart, there's no boring. It doesn't matter what occupation we do. It doesn't matter what situation we're in. Every single day has the opportunity to be anything but mundane because of who we serve. There's no mundane. There is no settling 
for average. It doesn't have to be that we become a valiant warrior as Gideon did and we'll find that out in weeks to come. It's that every day we get to live out the purpose God has for us as we walk in obedience. I love it. Verse 13. So Gideon said to him, this is what the angel of the Lord has just said to him, spoken to him, just appeared out of nowhere while he's threshing. He, he must have been like, where the heck did you come from? But anyway, he, he, now, uh, he now speaks. He says, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened? And where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? They said, hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. So I love the fact that these sorts of stories are in Scripture because Gideon absolutely did not trust um, that this was God or what God was saying in the slightest. God's words weren't enough for Gideon in that moment. He needed a little bit more encouragement. I personally feel like that often when I feel God saying something to me, particularly something a little bit scary. I often need to hear it from, from God in a few different ways, in a few different situations until I have courage to step into it. You see, Gideon's gaze went back to the natural. God was speaking something into the future, into the unseen. But all that Gideon could do was look around to what was happening right now in this moment. We need to understand there's another kingdom at work all the time. And it cannot be seen with physical eyes because it's in the future. It's in another realm. But we need to learn to walk in God's eternal realm into the things that aren't yet, but the things that are going to become. I love it. Verse 14. The Lord turned to Gideon. Gideon's just questioned him, but come on. You can't really be serious in what you're saying. Look at the situation around us. Turns to him. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. Do you notice how the Lord doesn't even answer Gideon's question? Gideon said, but what about all of these things? God absolutely ignores what he asks him. And again, he reaffirms what he just said to him. He says again, effectively, Gideon, You've got everything it takes for what I've just said. You are a valiant warrior. You've got everything that it takes, verse 14. And through you, I'm going to do something huge. I want to do something huge. You are going to deliver Israel from Midian. And I'm sending you. I'm with you. So he reiterates what he just said. But I want you to know that there are times that God doesn't answer our questions. And particularly when it makes no difference to what he's asking us to do. You see, Gideon's question was from an earthly sense about what he was going through. God was speaking about something that was going to happen in a purpose that Gideon couldn't quite see. And so there was no need for Gideon to be focusing on what was happening around him because God had already asked him and spoken to him about what was going to happen. The same thing happened actually in a few different places in the Bible. But in Luke 13, people came up to Jesus. There'd been two incidents that had happened. They asked Jesus, you could look it up Luke 13 at some stage, that um, they asked about these people who had been killed by Pilate for sacrifices. He had killed these people, mixed up their blood to offer the sacrifices. And then also some people who had died in a building disaster, a collapsed building. A building collapsed and 18 people, Luke is very specific in the Bible, 18 people had died. Now the people were asking this age-old question of God, why do bad things happen? They were sort of asking these people who died, both the Galileans who were, were sacrificed and these people who died in this building disaster, what had they done wrong? Were they living in sin? Did they just not listen to God that day so they were in the wrong place at the wrong time? Did they step out of God's protective covering? They were basically wanting Jesus to say, yes, the reason why these bad things happen is because it was those people's fault. They did the wrong thing. 
I couldn't help them. They, they, they made the wrong decisions and therefore tough stuff happened to them. They could have escaped if they just listened to my voice um, or if they weren't involved in sin, they could have escaped this death that they faced. That's what they were wanting Jesus to say. He doesn't give a response anything like that. He absolutely ignores their questions. It would have been very simple for him to say, that's exactly why those guys died. That's exactly why that building collapsed. They would have, you know, if they decided to go to the shops that day, they would have escaped it. He doesn't say anything like that at all. It would have been easy for him to say. This is all that he says. You make sure that you're following me. You make sure that you've given your life to me and that eternity is home. You see, their questions were actually diverting them from following the one who was speaking to them. Their questions about these tough things were diverting them from giving Jesus everything. And so he just chose not to answer their question in the slightest. He said, actually, that's irrelevant. What's important is just make sure you are following me and then you have eternal life. And that is what God wanted Gideon to know. Gideon, you're asking me a lot of questions, but to be honest, they are not important to what I'm calling you to do. Don't worry about the others, but follow me. I want to challenge you today. Maybe you are involved in asking God questions and in debates and discussions that really have nothing to do with his call to follow him wholeheartedly. Maybe they're questions about when he's going to return. Interesting things. I talk about those sometimes. Maybe it's about something bad that happened to someone and why that happened. Maybe it is about the situation and why we've got a situation like this in this nation or another. What God wants to say to you is actually those aren't really important. What you can do every day is follow me, and that is what I want you to focus on. Do you notice as well where he says, the Lord turned uh, to Gideon and said, go in the strength that you have. Do you know what that means? It says, go as you are. You don't have to get to a certain place before God will use you. You don't have to be at a certain place in your relationship with him. Whatever you have with the person that you are, go. Go in the place that you are going the strength that you have. You don't need to be at a certain place in life. God just wants you to be available and he will use you. The task may well be impossible in your eyes. Most definitely it was impossible for Gideon. You are going to free Israel from the Midianites. Impossible in human eyes. But not in God's because he's the one who's speaking it. So God is the God of the impossible. And look at the end there. He says, I am sending you. That's almost what God said to Moses before. Pharaoh, who should I tell Pharaoh, send me? I am has sent you. Phrasing, Yahweh has sent you. I am meaning I'm there before, I'm there now, I'm there in the future. God's name for himself. And in a sense, he was saying the same to Gideon. I am God is sending you. But Gideon is still struggling. He still doesn't really believe what God is saying. You see how similar he is to us? He just continually questions. Verse 15, he said, But please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in all the land. I mean, my family is kind of pathetic. You know, these guys just don't really do a lot. How could I ever do anything? And I'm the youngest in my father's family. I'm just the youngest. What can I possibly do in this situation? What does the Lord say again? Verse 16. But I will be with you, the Lord said. You will strike Midian down as if it were one man. Don't you love God's patience with Gideon and his patience with us? It just shows how he, he just seriously loves us and he wants to partner with us. And he's patient. He is so patient and he is so kind. 
God believes in you and I more than we believe in ourselves. And he will work out the purpose he's planned for us in the midst of our unbelief and our questioning. God doesn't care about your background, your wealth bracket, the family that you come out of, the ability that you think you have. He cares about, does this person have a relationship with me? Do you know me? And are you willing to be available? And again at the end, I'm with you. Verse 16, I will be with you. I love his patience. So know he's patient with you just as he was with Gideon. Verse 17, then he said to him, again Gideon, he's still struggling. This is the, now moving on to the fourth time where he is questioning God and what God's saying. Then he said to him, if I found favor with you, give me a sign that you're speaking with me. Verse 18, please do not leave this place until I return to you. Let me bring my gift and set it before you. And he said, the angel of the Lord, God said, I will stay until you return. So he's like, I still don't quite believe. So tell you what, I'm going to go get some food. Maybe he's thinking this is a bit of a vision. The vision won't be able to eat. Maybe I'm making up in my mind. Maybe I haven't eaten a lot and this is just uh, me losing my mind. So I'm going to go make some food. I'm going to bring it back. And if you wait until I return, then I will know you are God asking me to do this. So Gideon is absolutely not convinced. He's sort of like, is this an apparition? Is this a vision? Is this an angel? Is this God? Or maybe this is some random person talking to me under an oak tree who I somehow have got caught up in the moment. So he does some extra testing. He double checks. He triple checks. He quadruple checks. Off he goes to make a meal for the Lord to have. So what does he do? Verse 19, he makes quite a serious meal. So Gideon went and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from half a bushel of flour. He placed the meat in a basket and broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. Now, I just want you to think about this. How long do you think it took Gideon to make that meal? This wasn't like a little peanut butter sambo, right? I mean, this was, he made broth, which would have taken time. He made bread out of the flour. He cooked the meat. This was probably a couple of hours. He maybe had to start a fire. He wouldn't have had one then at that time of the day. So now, in my mind, I'm sitting there going, I think Gideon was delaying as long as he possibly could in the hope that this guy would disappear. He's like, let me just make the most amazing meal I can. Yes, it's God, and uh, well, I think it's God, but I'm going to make the longest meal. So hopefully when I get there, I don't have to talk to this person again. But never fear, God is still there waiting. God will wait for you. No matter how long you take, no matter what sort of detours you try to take, He will wait for you. He is so kind and he wants you to experience life and life in abundance. So verse 20, the angel of God said to him, take the meat with the unlevered bread, put it on the stone over here, pour the broth on it. So Gideon did that. He was obviously like, man, this guy's still here. Okay, I better do what he says. <laughs> sure enough, he does it. Verse uh, 21, the angel of the Lord extended the tip of a staff that was in his hand. He touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire came up from the rock. This must have been quite a scene and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Talk about a crazy experience. Suddenly he eats this food. I mean, God can eat pretty quickly. I mean, that was like a matter of seconds. Done. Completely. And suddenly the person who was talking to Gideon disappears. Absolutely disappears. Verse 22. When Gideon realized that he was the angel of the Lord. He said, oh no, Lord God. This is what I told you where, where Gideon now realizes exactly who the angel of the Lord is. Oh no, Lord God, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. You see, people couldn't see God face to face and live. And this is what he's explaining. He's like, I actually was talking with God face to face. And that exclamation, oh no, is similar to Isaiah. 
Isaiah 6, I think it is, where, where he talks about seeing God and what that brings upon him in that moment. But the Lord said to him, so this is quite funny. The Lord has been talking to him. Now he vanishes, but now he's still speaking. This is quite an amazing situation that's happening. The Lord said to him, peace to you. Don't be afraid for you're not going to die from seeing me face to face. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. It is still in Oprah of the Abizrazites today. So Gideon realizes who God is. And in that moment, he's filled with wonder, fear and amazement all in one. That happened to anyone in, in the Bible who understood who God was and who saw God. For some of you today, you need to see God like that. You need to wake up to the reality of the matchless worth of King Jesus. And I pray that God does it. We'll pray at the end that God does it for you today, that he gives you this picture of just how astounding he is. But then I love God's final promise to Gideon. Peace to you. Don't be afraid for you will not die. Peace is something everyone in this world wants. Everyone is after peace, contentment, this resting. Most people are never resting in the rat race, going for it, wondering when the world is going to end, worried about sickness, worried about those sorts of things. God says, peace. I come to give you peace. Don't be afraid. I'm the king. I rule and reign. I'm in control. My purpose is going to happen. You do not need to be afraid. And the final thing, you will not die. What does he mean on earth? No, of course, Gideon was going to die. We're going to find that out later. We're all going to die. He means you will not die eternally. It means you don't need to fear the grave. You don't need to fear what happens in this lifetime. I've got control over that. I know the, the number of hairs on your head. I know, I know your days of your life. I know everything. But you don't need to fear when you live with me. Because why? Eternity is forever. And it's a promise to you. You're never going to die. You will live with me forever. And so we, we've got other things to look at and get in, but I trust that's been something that excites you, challenges you, encourages you. And, and my prayer is just that you would walk more and more into this life of purpose and impact. No matter how fearful you are, no matter how scared you are like Gideon, you would take little baby steps in obedience into what God is calling you to in 2021 and beyond. So let's pray quickly together. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are so good. You're so good to us. You are so patient. You are so kind. You are with us no matter how much doubting we have, no matter how much questioning we have. You are there and you are close. And you say those two things to us today. You say, I'm with you. And you say, I have a destiny for you. Father, I pray for people right now who, who don't yet have God with them. You know, right now, you can reach out and say, God, I want a relationship with you. I've realized as I'm listening that you are God. And right now in this moment, would you change me? Would you transform me? Would you be my God? You see, the Lord paid a great price for us on the cross. And, and he paid that price so that we can have freedom from our sin and that we won't spend eternity separate from God. So right now, the Lord would say, you can have that. Reach out. Give your life to me. Turn to me and you can have that. For some of you, God's been speaking to you through this message and He's been speaking to you in these past few weeks. The Holy Spirit has been saying, I'm calling you into your destiny. You can't see it right now. It seems impossible. It seems difficult, but I'm speaking to you. Right now you can say, okay, God, I'm going to start taking baby steps in faith. I'm still questioning. I'm still worried, but, but I want to walk in what you've called me to. So Heavenly Father, I pray for Harvest. I pray for anyone else tuning in from everywhere else. Right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak identity, 
and you would speak destiny. That as a result of this time together, you would ignite people into what you've called them to in 2021. That there would be testimony after testimony after testimony in the small things and in the big things of people living out the purpose that you've called us to. And so I trust you for that. In your powerful name we pray, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks so much for... Uh, listening, for connecting, for being part of what God is doing amongst us as a church and beyond. I can't wait. If you have a testimony on the back of this, please share it with us. We're starting to send out monthly uh, sort of newsletters and we're doing nuggets during the week. We're really wanting to hear from you about what God is doing in your life. It's so exciting to hear individual stories. We can't wait to hear more. And so I pray you have a brilliant day. I pray you walk in the identity and destiny that God has for you and uh, can't wait to connect with you again next week. So thank you so much and look forward to being with you again soon.